Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 52, Act 2, Michelle Manzanales, Shattering the Box, recorded April 29th, 2022. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA audience. Welcome to Teaching Artistry Podcast. This podcast is researched, recorded, and produced on the unceded lands, water, and air stewarded by the Canarsie and Muncie Lenape peoples in what is colonially known as Brooklyn, New York. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of our global community. Invite your peeps, colleagues, and friends to join our community and subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and head over to teachingirishry.org to access episodes, guest bios, our video series, merchandise, and more. I will admit that I am still processing the events of and leading up to the Buffalo Massacre. Um... I struggle. I struggle with a world that fosters insidious racism and racist ideas that motivate and incite violence to strike fear in black communities. I'm sad. And I'm tired. I'm tired of people who look like me of all hues and shades, experiences and joys and lows and highs, who are living in their humanity, not to mention our humans in solidarity within the AAPI community and other communities of color, immigrant communities and more, who are targeted. I am tired of being targeted with such specificity and a deep hatred that apparently is rooted in fear. But fear of what? Fear of people shopping, shopping for food, minding their own business, supporting their families. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But just because I don't get it doesn't mean it's not true. Right. And so 
very grateful to have a space like this to process my emotions, to process my feelings and my thoughts and my big questions. I try, I try not to freeze when something like this happens. I try, and I try not to avoid it, though it is quite challenging. And it's hard, it's hard to pause the never-ending deadlines and meetings and driving urgency and of all the things, um, whether it's life admin or work but especially at work, um, I find it hard to, to caretake for others in these moments when I am myself reeling. And I really appreciate those who I, I have encountered who, whatever it took for them, either requested for or created space for others in certain Zoom rooms and meetings to breathe with the group, um, to allow space for acknowledging and responding, you know, as each individual felt supported or comfortable to share. And I want to learn from that. I want to be able to create more um more intentional processes um something that i i'm i didn't think i was going to talk about but uh something i've been practicing more recently has been you know not to react um in a given moment but to breathe take a sip of water and respond and when something like this larger um incident happens you know, that need for a a moment, uh, the time, the timing of it can be a lot longer than one would want. So I'm not going to judge that, but I am, I am here now responding, right. Um, and trying to find more concrete ways to overtly do so. Um, on a daily basis and or in a sort of daily what am I trying to say not daily basis but a daily um way uh meaning again to not avoid it to allow to allow the conversation to happen if if it wants to with whoever I'm with um and to not avoid and also just to find ways to create that space that space that I felt like others that I encountered were able to come in and not in a combative or confrontative way, confrontative a word, not sure. Um, but really just sort of carving and inviting. So yeah, I'm, I don't have a lot of, you know, wise words or anything like that. And I definitely would never claim to, again, assume what anybody who's listening, uh, is feeling or thinking, but I want to choose joy. I want all of us to have the ability to be able to go shopping or go to school or go to a library or go anywhere in this country and not fear 
or be surprised by somebody who has plotted and compiled and convinced themselves that what they're doing by harming and hurting and killing is the right thing to do. I, I don't think I'll ever understand that. But something's got to give. Something has got to give. And I just feel it could be so easy to go into the dark side. And I'm, I'm not interested in that. I want to find the light. I want to find the hope. I want to find the joy. And that could be a small kernel or a very large large source, large, I don't know what word I'm trying to put, put an adjective in there or a noun. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I'll leave that there. I hope, (laughs) speaking of hope, I hope that you are enjoying this conversation as much as I am enjoying it and did live with Michelle Manzanales director of New York City's Ballet Hispanico School of Dance. And in this conclusion of our conversation, Michelle shares more about expanding teaching practice and reflective practices in, in, within the scope of Ballet Hispanico and ways to reclaim what success looks like in the dance world. Here is episode 52, act two, Michelle Manzanales, Shattering the Box. It's not a box. And, and we fit in many boxes or, or, you know, I don't want to be a box. Like, let's, let's call it a, I don't know. We just, we, we have, there's many parts and they all make up something beautiful. And each of, each of those parts are beautiful. I liked what you just said. Um, yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of, conversation recently at least here about naming you can't you can't things can't shift until you start naming them and like you said having these kinds of conversations um which can feel you know smaller in the in the grand you know schema of media and all that jazz but you know when it comes down to it having these kinds of conversations actually are what can make change it just you know isn't like huge you know, law-based change, but it is and can, you know, I think impact people. Um, and y- you mentioned your, the young people that you work with or your students, I'm sorry, I, sh- I shouldn't assume that they're young, but the, the students that you work with, what kind, what kinds of lessons and conversations that you were able to have at Luna Negra, um, and and in your beginnings of working at Ballet Hispanico, like what what are you encouraging? Um, what spaces are you opening up within your school? Yeah, I think. Um, well, one of the most important things to me in being a teacher um, is to create inquisitive students like for them to be questioning everything really and to feel that they're in a space where they can contribute and be authentic authentically who they are um so 
one of the things that I, that in my practice that I try to do is, um, you know, I was mentioning earlier, like the, the neighborhood studio, right. And, um, and we were talking a little bit about like what, what could have been different, you know, uh, back then, I think is introducing, I'm going to give like very specific examples, but like introducing different music styles and, and making them normal. Like we're not listening to the exotic or international music selection today. This is just music and it's all of it is wonderful and all of it is valid and all of it can have a place in our classroom so that's just you know one thing um i really appreciate what i've been you know what i've learned over the years around different approaches to teaching i think when when i was younger i grew up in a generation where it was very much kind of command style like i say you do you don't question right mm -hmm. and um and now you know, I've been lucky to work with different teachers um, to learn about as an educator, different styles, student-centered learning, um, talking, you know, finding different strengths, think, talking about feedback, talking about assessment, questioning different things. And so for me, it's important that we're questioning the models that have been passed down to us um, I don't have the perfect answer or like know exactly what it's supposed to be. But what I like is that everyone at, on my team at Valley Hispanico is it is a consistent practice for us to be in discussion and to be questioning, okay, we did assessments this way this year. You know, let's talk about that. How did the students benefit? How did the teachers benefit? How did, how did the art form, like what we're trying to get across did we did we accomplish the goals that we were trying to do? Did the students understand the feedback and in the information that was in the rubric? So, um, those are some of the things that I'm doing. I think the last thing that I'll say is the idea of what is success, and I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, I'm trying to. It's really important to me to broaden what the possibilities are and to be open to many different possibilities. I think when I was younger, the idea of success is like, if you made it into a professional company, let's say, then you were successful. But as we know, like, that's not the only way, um, success, well, um, it's just one way to be successful <clears throat> with dance. And I, I, um, I want my, I want students to know that um, dance can be a part of your life, no matter how big or small. It can mean that you, you know, 20 years from now, you still dance around in your kitchen or you play certain songs that you danced to when you were younger. It may mean that you take a Friday um, salsa class or a flamenco class or ballet class um, for fun. It may mean that you're a donor. It may mean that you're a teacher. It may mean um, maybe you become a professional dancer. Um, but dance can give us so much joy and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be so high stakes. Like if you don't achieve X, Y, Z, then you have failed. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are some of the things I kind of went all over the place. Hope that no, I love, I love, I loved it. Um, I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not going to say this well <laughs> first draft. Um, but I'm reminded of something that I, I guess talked about in terms of movement one of our former guests um, works in prisons with women and dance. 
and talks about the trauma-informed practice and how important movement is to be able to remove, like, uh, like move, literally move trauma out of the body because we actually hold it in our bodies. And, and so some of what you were just saying was, was sort of connecting back to some, some of that conversation that I had with her um, and how important it is just to move and what that can do for us in times that are, um, you know, really hard and challenging and how dance can be the celebration of self, celebration of culture, celebration of, um, you know, the world <laughs> and beauty. Um, I love dancing. I, I don't do it as much as I, I, I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I should do it more, but I just, I mean, I always feel like, well, let me, let me back up. So I love just moving period. Like the music is going, whatever the music is and it, my body just goes that, that is like very natural and exciting and important to me. And then there's like choreography <laughs> and those, uh, I, 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 I feel like there's something so magical about how the body can express and communicate. <clears throat> I don't know. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 um, am nodding, nodding again over here profusely, but I, um, I mean, I would say that most dancers, um, that's that, that's that thing that we can't articulate with words and that's why we dance but there's a feeling that comes over you when you're lost in movement and um that beauty that like like you were saying um about your friend in a, in a previous um podcast speaking about movement and how trauma is in the body so many things happen within the body and um how movement can be therapeutic if you will um and so yeah, it's it's like it's such an amazing feeling to just dance. And that's why I think it's so important in the position that I'm in um, to encourage just to dance, like it, whether it's coming to that that um, recreational class, that open program where you come once a week and it's just like you just have fun, you let go and you you, you know, you take hip hop for an hour or you take tap or you, um, whatever it is, whatever, it, whatever, um, is fun for you because mm -hmm. there's something about that. Yes. There's the choreography, there's the craft, there's the technique. Um, that's one part of it. But the other part is just connecting with, connecting with your body, your yeah. mind and your body and your spirit and, and having fun <laughs> in that area. And that's another really important part about dance, like is to just, just to move. Yeah. Um, and then there's all the other awesome things, you know, like these awesome. programs or whatever, but the, the fundamental part of it is the joy, the access to joy and connection to self. Yes. Uh, uh, so for years at the, at the new Vic, we would have a summer teacher professional development program and we had different, we had like three or four different topics. So we'd sort of switch out the courses every year and they'd be offered for professional, uh, sorry, professional credit for, for the department of education teachers. And we for years had a dance, a dance class 
I forget the title, but the t- it was basically like you move and then take everything that you've experienced and figure out how you, you want to do this with your kids over the course of the year. So it was an intensive. And, you know, I, it always amazed me who would sign up for this class and who like it's it literally said in like you will move you will create you will dance you will learn different dance styles you like the description was pretty clear and you could tell on the first day where people were like oh you want us to dance what (laughs) and how like you know you know closed the physical body language was on day one then over the course of five days, five full days, <laughs> by like somewhere by like midday Wednesday, but definitely by Thursday, everybody's got their shoes off. They've they've they 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 have already carved out and understand how to warm up. They're running, you know, to the bathroom without their shoes. They're like, uh, and there's just this like open heartedness. And then, you know, there and often we would, we would pair it with another class. So there would be two classes happening simultaneously, maybe in puppetry or in theatrical play. And just the different, like everybody definitely there was impact without a doubt. But I just loved that evolution of the participants in the dance class going from like this almost like closed little, like what's the, what's the, the porcupine? Is that the one that like closes up to protect themselves? Like a, like a hedgehog. Yeah. Like a hedgehog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. To then being like just completely open and embracing to the point where then they don't even want to leave the room after their performance. You know, it's over. It's been an hour. You can go now (laughs) because they're just like, Oh, this is just so, and it's just, I just, you know, I'm not trained as a dancer, but that particular program, that summer program was always one of my absolute favorites. And and we have a dance program now, you know, that happens over the summer. But it was just that was just because of that evolution over a five day period of what dance can do for one's spirit, one's body language, one's um, yeah openness to receive and absorb and give it's it's really beautiful and then you layer in the cultural pieces and the authenticity like you were talking about to me that's that's very exciting again as somebody who like is not studied in any of this but just has a a very deep appreciation for dance and movement yeah i know i love that analogy um I, again, I wish people that were listening could see you were doing like a gesture of this like closed little ball. And then like you were doing this like really wide opened, you know, gesture with your arms straight out to the side and like, um, you know, very open chest. Like that picture that you drew is so much of like what we talk about at Valley Spanico with the students. Um, it is magical. And it goes back to what you were talking about, the sparkle in the eye it is magical to watch anyone of any age, any dance person that's taking a dance class to find that um, um, confidence, that I will say courage and strength and like uh, access to freedom as well as joy to like be able to, to just stand up straight, to have the like, you know, something within you that gives you the strength to stand straight, to open the chest, to to lift the chin. Like there's a confidence or there's something that happens from dance that that it, it's this, it is, it's this magical opening, right? Like a flower that's blooming. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's, it's, it goes beyond again, like the technique and all the things that we're trying to teach them, like the, the art form, right? It's, it's just about people. Cause ultimately I say, you know, when you leave Valley Hispanico from a dance class or something, you're, you are going to leave a better dancer. You're going to know more about the terminology, the history, um, the technique, but more important for me is that you're going to leave a better, hopefully a better human being that is mm -hmm. going to be, um, a critical thinker is going to have courage is going to have, um, confidence is going to be a leader to be in, going to be able to express themselves. So it's like, so connected. It's just, we're using dance as the mechanism, but, um, it's such a big part of what, uh, what we do as arts educators. Um, it's, it's our, it's our purpose. It's our work. It's, it's, it goes bigger than, um, the beautiful dancing at the end of the year. Yeah. That's a big deal. Right. When we, we celebrate it's, it, but it's so much bigger than that. <laughs> it is so much bigger than that. I'm, I'm like trying to find the right question. Cause I, I feel like the questions I have here aren't quite where I want us to go, but I don't know, what it is. but, um, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious to hear uh where where would you like like where would you like to push into push maybe is not the right word but like where would you like the programming to expand into and explore or discover um as you continue to work at ballet hispanico well <clears throat> i i feel like we've touched on some of it and uh, and but i'll i'll see if i can articulate it um, in a different way, you know, coming in 12 years ago to, a, you know, at that time, you know, 40 something year old institution that has been doing this work for so long, like, um, providing like world-class excellent training, um, having a world-class company that performs across the globe, um, and programming in schools. Uh, it's like this beautiful thing. And, but, but what is deeper <laughs> is what we were talking about with, um, that pride. And then specifically within the Latinx community, um, what something like this cultural institution, um, of Valley Hispanico, what it means to, um, the Latinx community is so big. It's like, I'll go back to that word oasis, right? Um, what I would like to see and what I believe is happening is that not only um, are we really doing the work to make sure that we are that oasis and that we mm. are providing that excellent training, but also to continue to learn and unlearn <laughs> what has been passed on to us in the now I'm speaking specifically about the dance world and dance training. Um, yeah, I was talking earlier about like the command style of, you know, and um, how do we do better? How do we, how do we can, how do we push forward our, our leaders in the field of what is actually happening in the classroom every day theory to practice right so 
um, the way that we we speak to our students, the way that we engage with them, the way that we give them voice, um, because all of that translates into the, the larger world later, right? And so um, that is something that's really important to me, just because, you know, we always laugh like the old, you know, the older directors back in the day, you know, like it was not uncommon to get a shoe thrown at you or mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, maybe someone walking around with a cane, giving you a little, a little tap here and there, you know, like these different practices that are like passed down in the dance world and that we kind of awkwardly laugh at, right? Um, how, how is it different now? And how are we going to still, um, um, create these beautiful artists? these strong, proficient, um, engaging artists, but also make sure that their mental, their mental, like um, what's happening in their minds and in their hearts is also strong and healthy mm -hmm. and um, ready for the world, right? Mm -hmm. So, so those kinds of things are super important to me. Like we have, you know, so many different programs from age two, like our oldest student right now is 95. He's yes. in our, um, he's in our adult flamenco class. He's awesome. So, so I love that class. You should take that class, Courtney. You should try to take yeah. the adult flamenco class with Miss Jody Romano. She is awesome. Okay. Wait, I need to write that down because I've never taken flamenco in my life. I had never done it either. And I went in and I, she just has this way, Jody Romano, excellent teacher. She just has this way of inspiring you and she has, and it's a beginner class. Um, okay, she sure. has some students now that have been in there forever. Like they're her like loyal students that go with her everywhere. Um, but it's really like more of it's geared towards beginners and it's so much fun. Um, but yeah, so no matter what program you're in, if you're in our Palantes, like if you're one of our Palante scholars, our professional studies students that are on full, full tuition scholarships, they're like aspiring to be in the company. We want that environment to be just as healthy as like the mommy and me two-year-old class or the adult flamenco or the um, La Academia pre-professional students that train in after school. We want to, you know, we want to keep um, just being responsible <laughs> to make sure that again, theory is going into practice and it's not a perfect science and it's not easy. You know, um, our faculty ranges in experiences and even even myself, like I've been teaching for many years, um, for three decades, uh, I have to, I, I'm it's important to me to continue learning um, and questioning because, again, like I was saying before, you you're taught things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should hold on to them. <laughs> like, is that really the best practice that was used when I was, you know, uh, coming up? So yeah, continuing to evolve the classroom and our practices, our methodologies, yeah. our pedagogy. Have you, have you heard of um, Felicia Rose Chavez? uh she's a professor she, she i had her on as a guest um and she wrote a book i want to name it perfectly but i'm i'm going to make it i'm going to butcher it i think but it it essentially is like the it's called the anti-racist classroom how to democ how to decolonialize the creative writing workshop 
so it's it's rooted in uh, her experience of being a creative writer and her training um and and being a woman of latinidad i believe um and um being taught these you know power dynamic traditional structures of what a writing workshop is and how you know you you are told how your voice should sound <laughs> and the kind of feedback is not um asked for but given um and she um she uses she gives some examples but basically is inspired by like Liz Lerman critical response process which a lot of us know um right oh the heart i love it um but i i i i i you know what i love about this podcast to be honest with you i mean there's many things i love about it but one of it is that i get to talk to people who are do, are in an art discipline that i don't know and so what I liked about meeting this person who um, she is married to a colleague of mine in the theater world. So um, I, I was moderating a book, the book release um, as part of a, a, I guess, a book tour. Um, and so that's how I got to know her. But then I ended up using her book in my teaching artist class at NYU because I was like, when I was reading it, I was like, I see so much of what I do and the work that teaching artists do inside of this. And I just thought it was a good tool to, to anyway. So I think it would be, if you, I mean, if you already know Liz Lerman, like the, but I feel like what I, what I think is important about her book is it's, it's, it's written from her point of view and her experience of working with students who, who of color, who felt like they were like somebody was trying to put them in a box that they don't belong in and they didn't have any other models to engage. And she want, and she wished she had that too. So she was like, as a professor, like how can I support creating new systems for how to support young creative writers and did a lot of research and then started to build these practices that are, from from you know my very limited experience talking to you and reading this book but like are very similar in nature to what you're talking about and and what I what I also appreciated about the book was that it, it made me have to look at my practice um, and my framework for that course that I've been teaching for 10 years and I started to in um I thought I was doing a lot of things that were in there, but I was like, oh, I I do this, and then I just give them feedback. Ooh, no, no, no! Like I had, I have the I have this um my graduate students teach activities f to the class along the course of the um the uh, semester on specific readings that are that we're all to read. And the idea there is to just like get in front of a room and try ideas out and do, do it in a way that, you know, it's also serving the fact that we read <laughs> all this beautiful text. Um, but that it's, it's like, you can apply, it does not have to be discussion based. It really can be an activity that will just help us reflect on the, on, on the reading. And then um, the old way was I would then give like, I would have people sort of give some, some feedback with not a lot of structure. And then I would give them some feedback and that would kind of be it. And because of this book, I was like, Oh, the whole point is to center the writer or the, uh, the artist's voice. So a very simple task was you, you've planned this activity. You tell us what kind of feedback you'd like. And then that is the feedback that we give based off of what you would like to hear and it just I, it was such a simple switch up 
But what, what I found was happening for this class. I honestly, this last cl- uh, grad class was probably, I mean, again, I've been teaching it for a long time and lots of good things have happened over the course of the time, but I really felt like, wow, you might've nailed it this year. <laughs> and it was because I had really made some big, actually they weren't that big, just like this, these little tweaks that just created this beautiful and, and you know in the midst of like we're now going back to school in person everybody feels super awkward and doesn't know what to do on day one you know all those things and I remember I that day one just that day one I was like who will just be yourself like let's all just like name it like who else is feeling awkward I know I am who else is nervous? I know I am. Everybody's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know? And it was like, oh, okay. If I could just be real, it allows everybody else to be real. And what I remember, what I remember very distinctly, like I would say week six, I walked in, I walked in a little bit, not late, but like later than I normally would show up. Cause I usually was there before the, the previous class would get out and they had already set up the room like most people were there. They had already set up the room and they were laughing in the middle of a pandemic. They were giggling and laughing and having a lot of fun. And I was just like, Oh, we have made it. We've made it. You've done something here. And it wasn't just me only, but I knew that they felt comfortable in that space to be able to engage in that. And I really feel like anyway, that I think that book and some of the practices inside that book that I've been able to implement had a lot to do with, with, the success of that particular course that that semester. I, I love so much about what you just said. <laughs> I'm like, I was like thinking of so many different things. Um, going back to what you were saying about the feedback, like, and, and just shifting it so slightly and what a big impact that that had, it sounds like on your class. Um, I love that. Like, and I love continuing to learn as a teacher, you know, because we all just want to do our best, right? We want to give a great experience to the students. Um, not give it to them, but be in community the with same. them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Liz Lerman, she is a genius. I just, I, I don't, I, I can't express enough my respect for her. Mm-hmm. But um, critical response, her, her critical response uh, process that she uses has been very inspiring to me. I, I met her as a senior and at the university of Houston and actually she was teaching about, or she came in to do a, um, a workshop about, about that. And my, one of my first pieces that I did at the university was, um, was that kind of the guinea pig, if you will, or the, like the, 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 what was used for the critical response. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just learned so much. I love, so when you were talking about it, I was like going back into all these different places um, of that time and how much, um, how much it opened for me as far as like learning about feedback just in general and like, you know, who is the feedback for? What right. is the purpose? How can it really, how can it be most impactful for whatever the goal is for the person? Um <laughs> Well, I love that. I love all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and, and too, like, you know, these seasoned, ed- like you're a seasoned educator, you've been teaching this course for 10 years and like, what a beautiful example of how you're still learning too. And to be, to have the humility to say to your class, like who else is feeling, 
you know, this or that, or, you know, like we're just humans. There's another, there's a philosopher that I was listening to recently. I can't think of the name. Um, but his whole lesson was about that of like, how do you, we all have fear. We all have insecurity. Um, and when we can say that out loud as the teacher is this like, you know, and like kind of put us all on the same plane, mm-hmm. it, it just opens the possibilities to truly um, learn from each other without like holding back because we're being our real authentic self um, mm-hmm. selves with each other. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize how excited I was about the experience because it's been, a, it's been a minute, but um, thank you for, yeah, drawing those connections. And I, I just on the Liz Lerman moment, I met her in person one, one time only, uh, pre-pandemic, I think it was in 2018, she was a keynote speaker at the International Teaching Arts Conference in New York City. And I was so excited to meet her. I have a picture with her and everything. Um, and I, I said something I said something to her that she was like, what is that? And I was like, what? Why do you like something I said? <laughs> um, I said something about like, I'm examining. Oh, then I was like examining this word feminarchy and what that could mean. And it wasn't a word that I made up. I thought I did. It's, it's, it's not a word, but I was just like, okay, so it's, I didn't make up the word, but I don't like the definition. So like, like, can we continue to expand what the definition is, which honestly, I, (laughs) what I wear, my brain was going in terms of the definition of this word is very similar to the kinds of conversations that we're having. It's about like community care and not being, you know, cutthroat and, just like, you know, toppling the patriarchy, but not building a new matriarchy, but actually being embracing of all, all the nuances and, and, you know, um, knowing and embracing that there's space for all of it, as opposed to somebody needing to be on top and somebody needs to be that down low. She has a book, Hiking the Horizontal, she often talks about how like you know what if we can just shift the structure on its side um and of course she's way more eloquent yeah but that's what i'm saying is that when she because she was talking about that she was talking about hiking the horizontal and that's why i was like when you were talking i was thinking about feminarchy and she's like what is this word what do you say (laughs) it's like i feel the same way i'm like what is i'm writing it down Feminarchy, yes. It's in all my posts. I can't help it because it's just like, let's care for everyone. Liz is, yeah, she's very inspirational to me. Yeah, I met her as a, I guess like a 20-year-old um, and almost 30 years later, like <laughs> I just still am in awe of her. Every time I'm around her, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like, I want to, I want to record what she said and be good <laughs> and have it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Isn't it amazing? Those kinds of like, you you named a whole bunch of people earlier too. And just like how they imprint on you and then you are imprinting on others. I just find that really like, there's something about that. It's yeah. I, it's important because like, as a teacher, you have the, um, 
you could, it could be positive or it could be negative. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you, it's a big responsibility um, to, you know, that you're, like you said, you have the ability to have this influence over these, uh, over your students. So, um, yeah, because like I was saying, you know, I have this handful of teachers that uh, I just will never forget. Like it, I can go back in, what is that, 30, 40 years and remember so clearly that lesson where something connected or clicked or, you know, that moment where they've, they were able to spark a confidence or or provide validation for something that I was feeling or experiencing or um, truly inspire me to, to keep going on. Um, and there's not many of those, but the ones that I remember, like it is a vivid, bright memory that still inspires me to this day. Um, and I can only hope and imagine or hope and dream to, to do that same thing for for my students or for people that I, um, you know, get to work and collaborate with as well. Mm, that's lovely. So I'm going to turn us towards winding down, but I'm, I'm loving this conversation. Um, at the, at, sort of at the top, I talked about where I asked you how you were and and somewhere in the middle you talked about with everything that's going on in tribalism I'm um, connecting these things because the question I have is you know we're we've been in this pandemic for two over two years now two years and a month and I'm curious what this these last two years have meant to you wow that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I I feel like the last two years um, have been this forced kind of reflection time. Um, I'll speak for my own exp- my own experience. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's like forced time to think about what is really important to you in your life or to me in my life, um, in the work that I'm doing, just understanding how fragile, you know, our existence is, if you will. (laughs) Um, and it's been a tough two, two years and a month, but it's also been, um, a re like a reigniting of purpose and what is um, truly at the heart of what we do and why we do it uh, or why I do I choose to do the things that I do. So um, I hope we don't forget that as things continue to, I hope we don't forget that lesson, or at least I hope I, I, I don't forget that lesson as we continue on because our lives are precious. And so what we choose to spend time on, you know, it has to be something that we that we truly care about and that we truly feel a purpose and a calling for. Um, otherwise, why are we doing it? Why, you know, why would we waste time on yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I feel, I, you know, I, it, it reminded me how much dance is important. You were talking about movement as therapy and, 
and like dance and that was def I, that definitely was like I, I I know that and I live that every day in in the profession that I'm in, but somehow during this pandemic it was like even even uh, an even brighter picture like an even more vivid picture of like what you're doing is important what you're doing is important and you need to um, carry that with you <laughs> remember that in those hard times and and valuable like so valuable yeah thank you thanks for sharing that um is there anything you want to ask me or know from me well I feel like um I want to just thank you for being so generous with like you know the different things that you shared with me along the way yeah. um but yeah, I'm curious about um, your podcast and how it got started mm. and what keeps you going. Good. That's good. That's a good addition to that. I do get this question a bit, um, but I, I love answering it. So um, thank you. Um, initially, so I, uh, the podcast launched in 2017 um, and I spent the year of 2016 conceptualizing it and then figuring out how to get interviews which was mostly like dear friends that I was like hey I'm doing this thing can you come here come to my house and like I want to I want to I want to spotlight you and I had a, a long long list of questions that I generated which was like I just want people to know what this is like I want people to know what teaching artists do because I get to see what they do on a daily and I think it's amazing. And, and whenever I talk to people, they just don't get it. So I'd love to find a way to build a platform to help others understand what this is. That's, that was the impetus. And then the second one was, um, I wanted to write a book <laughs> and I knew that interviews would be a part. So the real, the real seed was, if I wrote a book, I'd have to, I want to make sure that, you know, there are teaching artists voices in there. So I would want to interview them. But usually when you're writing a book, you have to like edit those interviews. And I, and I just thought, you know, those conversations would be so interesting. Why would I want to edit them? And then I was like, do I really want to write a book? But I really want to have these conversations. <laughs> so that's where it was. That's where it's really started. And then um, the podcast felt like the right place because like I, that's all I do. I'm an external processor. So I talk, 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 you talk, talk. And to, to be able to like celebrate people that I think are doing amazing things was really important. So, th so that's where it started. And then and I was asking really just like questions about like how do we do this? And I was gently asking questions about um, racist practices <laughs> and and how we can work towards eliminating them but i i didn't have all the the um amazing and important language that i have now um then and then um over over i would say the first three or four years i was then getting some some opportunities for partnerships and so i was expanding the sort of bank of guests and that was great so that opportunity to go beyond my particular art form and then my you know circles and start meeting other kinds of artists, community artists, participatory artists. So that's been fantastic for me to just expand my, my view on this work. 
where it shifted was honestly during the pandemic um, where initially it was, you know, all the art, many, so many artists were losing work and there was this big um, campaign that was about keep making art. And so the podcast partnered with creative generation to make a, a series where we were like showcasing, not just teaching artists, but artists <laughs> who were doing work that also had some sort of community contact or engagement piece, but that it was about like making art. And that was a video series. So we trans we translated and created a, a, a series that I think ran for three months on video. So that was a whole new, like, how do I take something where I love to meander and live in the, live in the conversation <laughs> and be like targeted focus. And actually that's where this, this agenda came from and like just tightening things up so that, you know, cause people don't want to watch an hour long program on YouTube that they don't want that. Um, so, so that was that. And then, and then George Floyd, got murdered and and it all you know important in in the most important but very urgent way unraveled and uncovered and bubbled and and did everything that I you know need needed to happen but again was incredibly hard and painful and re-traumatizing um and I just thought like what can I do how can I process what's happening process what I need to do and learn so that I can unlearn or both, you know what I mean? Unlearn in order to learn. So then I I partnered with creative generation again for a a video series um, that was called, we can't go back. That was specifically focused on what, what does this, what do we need to be doing that we aren't and haven't been, or have been just paying lip service to and talking to people who, um, have been living this work, social justice, racial justice, abolition work. Those conversations had a deep impact on me in terms of how I was looking at the work that we do at the new victory, um, and created, I would say, um, like a walking escalator, you know, those walking sidewalks, (laughs) that I I then that's what came to mind right now where I was getting an insider's view on what this work can be and should be and then figuring out ways to apply it under an you know an institution that you know doesn't say it's it's about social justice you know the, just that's not the that's not the nature of the <clears throat> the institution but definitely wants to have the most promising way of 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 engaging its its audiences and um staff and all that and so it really it really was an an incredibly impactful moment and empowering uh movement for me um and definitely a, a laying groundwork for where the the podcast as an audio platform has now sort of grown and expanded, I would say, or deepened into. So the kinds of conversations that we were having in 2021 um, has gotten me to be able to talk to somebody like you, where somebody like Corinne is saying, you two, I think you should, You let me connect you two. You, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like essentially this podcast is my journey. It's beautiful. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like, yeah, it it's, um, you know, that whole thing about this, this last two and a half year or 
what's happened. Mm. I don't know. It's just, um, it's beautiful seeing how you've taken this platform and like the journey that it's been on. And I'm just really appreciative. Thank you for having me on the show. And um, it was really fun talking to you. Yeah, it was really fun connecting and talking to you too. Um, do you have, I know you just said words, but I want you to have the last word. Any last words? Ah, last words. I would, I, I was thinking about when you started talking about the platform and, and teaching artists and teaching artistry. Um, and I just want to say, you know, you're right. People don't see that day to day and everything that's going on. And I just have such respect for all the, um, I mean, I'm one of them, but like the field and, and all the work that's happening, like the real work that's happening in the rooms. Um, and I want to just say, you know, um, like encourage people to keep going. Cause I know it's like, it's, it's a hard art form. It's a hard place to be a teaching artist. It's a hard profession. Um, but the work is so important and, um, yeah, I just want to send out send out love to all the fellow teaching artists <laughs> to stay encouraged and stay inspired because um, you you make a difference your work is impactful and it's needed and it's important thank you michelle thank you <laughs> it's been fun Thank you for listening to episode 52, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Michelle Manzanales, Shattering the Box. Join us next time for a conversation with Margie Johnson-Reese. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the director of creative content. Jono Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry. The gram at teaching artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube, check out the teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud and Spotify. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Ooh.